But I want to share a bit on vision. Vision is so important, so important. It was a change in vision that changed my life. And I'll explain that a little bit more later as we go. I would like to give you a little working definition of what I see vision as. It's seeing what is and by faith what could be. Let me start with, uh, if you would stand with me, I'm going to read Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1 and 2. In Hebrews, the author says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses to the life of faith, let us strip strip off every weight that slows us down, especially sin that so easily trips us up. And these are, this is a key portion to me. And let us run with endurance the race that God has set before us. We do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus, the champion who initiates and perfects our faith. Because of the joy awaiting him, he endured the cross, disregarding its shame. Now he is seated in the place of honor beside God's thrones. Amen. You may be seated. Many of you know that uh, I've shared several times, in fact, my father was here visiting with me a few weeks ago, that I was raised in a pastor's home. And uh, if you weren't raised in church or raised in a pastor's home, you don't know the fullness of joy. (laughs) That can't be... (laughs) It can be a, a, your experience. I was uh, born on a Tuesday, and I was in church on Sunday. That's the way it was. And you did not miss church. I think the only time I can remember missing church, I had the measles. And I was allowed to stay home because I had the measles. Now, going to church, it's a little different experience. You know, I'm talking... 60, 65 years ago. It's a little different. Well, I'm talking 70 years ago because it was when I was born. It, it was, uh, we had Sunday school before morning worship. So you went to Sunday school. Then you, so I see people shaking heads. Yes, I knew. You went to Sunday school. Then you went to morning worship. And then at some of the churches I was at, we had an afternoon youth fellowship and then we had a Sunday evening service. Now, some churches switched out the youth meeting to a weeknight, but it was always there. And then we had a Wednesday night uh, Bible study or fellowship night. It was, a, it was another night of church. And then, every once in a while, we did something called a revival. Anybody know? <laughs> okay. <laughs> We did a revival, which meant you went to church every night, all day Sunday and every night, and we, that's my wife with the phone ringing. (laughs) Uh, If she's trying to get my attention, she didn't have to do that. (laughs) Anyway, there was revivals, and uh, you know, so 
school nights, as a kid, I'm up, and, and church went longer than, you know, we try to schedule it out. Churches went, church gatherings, and we called them services back then, church services went a, sometimes a long time. So you get, you know, I'd be sleeping on the pew or under the pew or somewhere, and then you'd get home and, you know, try to get back to sleep, and you'd go to church, to school the next morning, and you'd be like, you know, teachers, uh, you know, what's wrong with your child? And it's, well, he's, he's in revival. <laughs> so, <laughs> but that's how I grew up. And it, it was, uh, as I've always said, it was, my parents uh, were, they lived their faith. I didn't, I wasn't a child who went, saw my dad preaching one thing and living another. I was, he was very consistent with that. And uh, I came to faith at about five years old. It wasn't a mature faith, but it was faith. I believed in Jesus Christ. And I began walking with the Lord. And I had my eyes on him. And I, you know, I would just listen to the scripture. And I, you know, I was just amazed by Jesus. And then about, I think it was late high school. And I know it was early college. I got real smart. And I thought I understood faith. And I thought I understood what the church was. And I thought I understood what the church should be. And it didn't line up with what I thought should be. And I started drifting away. Uh, I was drifting away from the church. I was drifting away from faith. During that time, uh, in high school, I met the phone lady. <laughs> I, met, I met my wife, and uh, we were, she was eight, well, she was 18, and I was 21 when we got married. People don't do that anymore, but uh, it's worked out okay for us. This last, last Thursday, we celebrated 49 years of marriage. <laughs> If uh, she's why I understand grace, <laughs> she, she, she has to extend so much. Uh, and by the way, next year is fifty years for us, and we're we are partying the whole year. We are <laughs> partying the whole year, fifty years. But when I married Rebecca, she had met me in high school, and I was uh, pretty. I was a faithful Christian. I was uh, serving the Lord, and you know, moving that direction. And uh, she married me, and then actually between the time we left high school and our marriage, I was drifting. Uh, and it was, uh, it was tough on her. Uh, it, it was tough on her. You'll have to go to her to find out exactly how, but it was tough on her. Uh, now, she, she did not want me to be a pastor. She wasn't looking for you know, on fire, full, let's all jump all the way in. But she didn't want me out of the church. As she expressed it, she wanted us to go to heaven. But that was <laughs> just, just enough to go to heaven. And, uh, but I had been wrestling. I had got my eyes on people in the church and what was going on and, and what I thought should be. And it was, uh, it was really kind of ripping at me. So uh, 
we start talking about having our first baby. And I thought, I have got to get it together. I don't, if we're not going to do church, I don't want to drag a, our, our family through the pretense of it. And if I believe in it, then I want to take them in fully into it. I want to be fully engaged. And at that point, the Lord, and I'm going to try to control emotions because it's so real to me today. It's, it's like just happened. But the Lord shared to me to, to read the New Testament. Well, I had studied the Bible my whole life. I'd already been through Bible uh, classes and theology classes at college. So what, what could I do? What could, what could Jesus say to me that I hadn't already probably memorized in my Sunday school classes? But the Lord assured me in that inner voice way that he would walk with me through this reading. At this point, we were uh, living in Fontana. We were living in Rialto, I think, at the first. We were living in Rialto, California, Southern California, and I was working at a lumber company. And if you know anything about the Inland Empire, it gets hot in the summer. And at this lumber company, there was a, uh, an air-conditioned room where we, kept, we sold paneling from. Everybody had to have paneling back in the 70s. So I would take my lunch break, go where it was air-conditioned, and I'd open my Bible, and I began reading the New Testament. And every time I opened it, I would say, God, just show me, just speak to me. And it was amazing because uh, I'm a fairly fast reader. Within a few days, I had read through the New Testament. And I'll never forget the feeling at the end of that, I, I, in that paneling room with at work break, I, uh, I closed the Bible and I said, that's what I want. That's what I want. And what I was referring to was, I saw Jesus. I saw Jesus in a brand new way. I, as Hebrews, the scripture I read, I, I got my eyes fixed on him. I had been distracted by people uh, sometimes preachers, sometimes televangelists, sometimes the way the church acted, and I got my eyes off of Jesus and what he wanted me to be, what he wanted his church to be. And so with that experience, I began to see the church through eyes of faith. And the Lord really spoke to me at that time again. I, Sometimes, if you're a first-time guest with us, when I start talking about hearing God and talking to God and stuff, it may sound strange, but it's, a, it's just my personal walk with Him. Uh, when I said that God, that's, that's what I want, His response to me was, that's the church I love. And it totally changed my view of the church. Uh, now, it didn't change everything that I saw, but it changed what I saw could be. I saw that Jesus wanted me not just to be a believer, Jesus wanted me to be an imitator of Christ. And that the church was not just to be a, a gathering of believers, but believers that acted, were attempting to act like Jesus. 
Now that may not seem revolutionary to you, but it was to me. So, much to my wife's chagrin, I jumped in. You know, once, once I had that, then I was all the way in. I was 100%. I started teaching in anything, anywhere they'd let me teach. Uh, eventually got called to be a pastor in Northern, associate pastor in Northern California. Uh, and uh, was a part of incredible times. God, God did an amazing works. We, we moved up here in the early 70s. And this may sound, you, 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 I'm looking out there and some of you only know what I'm talking about, but there was the Jesus movement. How many of you have heard of the Jesus movement? Okay, thank you. <laughs> it was, uh, kind of simplify, it was, it was when a lot of the hippies were coming to Jesus and they were being saved literally out of the communes and out of, uh, you know, all kinds of stuff. And God... Uh, uh, allowed me to begin ministering uh, to those people. And it, it was just phenomenal. It was phenomenal. It was, it was, it was life-changing to me. Uh, besides teaching at church, I was invited, uh, for instance, one time I was invited up to a commune up in the Palo Alto Hills. And they, they lived in uh, tents and tree houses and all kinds of things up there. And uh, it was, you know, and basically an open community, so they would just put, uh, you know, a, a, a Buddhist will be speaking here, this, and then this Christian is going to be coming and teaching on Romans, meeting here. And so it was just open. And so a lot of the community came to here. And um, some of them had clothes on and some didn't. <laughs> that was a bit disconcerting. Uh, they were passing about around something that was smoking that was going around but it was it was so real it was like I was taking the gospel to where it where I think Jesus would take it I think he would be there among those people and so it was so exciting to me and they they you know, the, the new believers wanted to hear the word I had been teaching a lot to uh, young people that were raised in church like I was. And the reason they were there is because their parents wanted them to be there. And so they had almost no interest in the Word of God. And like I said, when I turned up, it was like I was, you know, I was just on fire for the Word of God. And uh, so it was such a thrilling thing to have people excited about the Word of God. And, you know, you'd finish a teaching and they would start asking questions and it would keep going because they, they wanted to know about the, the Word of God. They wanted to know what this new life in Christ was. So that was incredibly exciting. And through different communities that God uh, involved me with, we were, I was able to, with some of the gifts that God had given me, pull together uh, and with many other gifts, but with, with people, a very close community a very loving, tight community of believers. And it was, it was really exciting. Many of those that are, uh, in fact, yesterday, we had, I was out partying. I was supposed to be preparing for this message. <laughs> but uh, there's a group of us. We call ourselves the 49ers. We were born in 1949. 
And so it was a group of us that are 70 years old and spouses and, and kids and now grandkids. And we had a great big meeting, came from all over the nation, actually all over, around the world. People gathered yesterday. Bill was there yesterday. <laughs> and uh, it was, uh, you know, it was a bunch of us old timers there. And many of those were from the early communities that we were involved with. And so it was just, you know, it was really a, a, a good time because I was preparing for this message and uh, the Lord was hooking my heart up again with some people I hadn't seen, some of them for uh, three or four decades. Uh, so it was, a, it was a amazing path that God had, man. It was, it was incredible. But as I pastored, and I pastored for 17, 18 years, I began to realize that my gifting was limited and that I, God had gifted me to draw a community together and to really be close to one another. But I didn't have gifting to reach outside of the community. I, I didn't have an ability, I didn't have gifting to draw the diversity that was the body of Christ. And uh, I remember, you know, it was, I just loved our community Fellowship, I, I just loved it. But I would say to Rebecca, it's just not right. It doesn't represent the full body of Christ. But I had no clue what to do. Um, so that was uh, that was a huge part of my life, and. Uh, it came to the point where uh, about seven, eight years ago, I re retired, uh, semi-retired. I was, had started a business and I, I kept I, working in church. I was a, a husband, father, grandfather, and uh, I enjoy golfing and I do some artwork. And so I really dedicated my life to those areas, not necessarily in that order. I probably did more golfing than... But I was kind of enjoying it. We, had, we, had, we were still serving the Lord. Uh, we were sharing our home and, and lives with others. So I felt I checked that box and I was trying to be a good father and all those things. And I got... Uh, a call from uh, this guy, uh, a Herman Hamilton. I don't know if you guys know him. But he asked me to come on staff at this church, and we talked about the vision and what this church would be like. And I got so excited, like I got crazy, and I went back to work in the church. <laughs> went back to... So I don't get to golf anymore. I don't paint anymore. But it was just an amazing opportunity. And so, you know, a few weeks ago, if you were here when I, host, I was hosting, I mentioned that every time I look out at this congregation, and usually I'll sit over there and I kind of turn and look, it is such an inspiration to me to see this community, the diversity this is the congregation. This is the community that I always wanted to see. This is it. 
So, yeah, give yourselves a hand because you're that community. So, I, anyway, I jumped to the chance. It was, this was a chance to uh, complete my ministry, as it were. I'd had some very exciting ministry. But that one element always felt like it wasn't there. And so it was so, it was, it, I just jumped at it. It was amazing. Um, and so this morning I want to share four areas that are very meaningful to me here. And I'll share a little bit why they're meaningful. But the vision here at NBCC, now we, we talk about reaching those who feel far from God, about making disciples, about uh, uh, building families and transforming communities. But I dare say, being honest, that almost any church you went to has some statement similar to that. So it's not a un- real unique. I, I think our wording is somewhat unique. But the idea of, of going out, it's not what you want to do, it's how you do it that makes the difference. And that's what I want to talk about. There's some of the ways that I have observed that we do it here, that God has called us to, that are very important. So there are four areas. And the first one is trusting people to God. Now that may sound obvious. uh, But again, in the context of my church history... I went to church where there was a, a, a lot of talk about the power of the Holy Spirit. And then there was the writing of the rules and regulations that it seemed to me were there to complement the Holy Spirit or to replace the Holy Spirit. When Jesus left this earth, he left his disciples to build the church. And these were men that just a few days before had failed him. These these were, he's he's just given his life. He was crucified on a cross for this new community, this church. And he's entrusting it to these men. How could he do that? Because he said... I'm going to leave you the Holy Spirit. The Father will send the Holy Spirit to you. It said that the Father would, the Holy Spirit would instruct you and teach you on all things that I've taught and everything that I do. So it was a work of the Holy Spirit that Jesus trusted men with. It, it wasn't, he didn't write a bunch of rules for them or this is what it's supposed to, he allowed the Spirit to move in their lives. Again, when I was raised, there was sometimes uh, pressure to conform to rules, and then you would be acceptable. Uh, sometimes these were biblical standards. I, you know, sometimes they weren't. I wasn't allowed to chew gum in church. Anybody else? Yeah. We couldn't chew gum in church. Now, we could walk outside and chew gum. Now, is Jesus not out there? <laughs> you know that was just that's where that was what kind of silly thing I was wrestling with. But it was like, why, why that? Uh, there are other things that were really were 
important behaviors. But the problem was we tried to make a rule of it rather than a life change that the Spirit brings. And whenever you live by rules, and this is so clear in Romans, he talks about the whole law and how it's emptiness. We can't keep doing it. It has to be by a transformation of our character, of our minds. It's, it's a work of the Spirit. So when you start acting like a Christian, you'll feel a hollowness and uh, you just can't keep it up. When you actually let the Spirit make you Christ-like, that's a real difference. That's, and, and so that's what I mean when I say trusting uh, people to God. Can, can the Holy Spirit really change us? In Galatians chapter 6, verse 15, it says, uh, it doesn't matter whether we have been circumcised or not. What counts is whether we have been transformed into a new creation. Now, just for a bit of uh, context there, circumcision was an issue in some Christian communities and not in others. So you could substitute different things that pop up in churches here and there and and probably through your life you've seen. Uh, But what Paul was trying to to drive for is if you were circumcised and hadn't been transformed into a new creation, it didn't matter. And if you were circumcised and hadn't been, you, you had to have the work of the Spirit. You had to be a new creation. In Romans chapter 12, verse 2, it says, don't copy the behavior and customs of this world but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will, what God's will is for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. In John chapter 14, verse 26, it says, The Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and remind you of everything I have said to you. Jesus trusted men to the Holy Spirit. And uh, that's what I wanted to get my eyes on. I wanted to not have to be a pastor that spoke rules and regulations. I wanted to be a pastor that prayed the Holy Spirit fill every person and trust God to move them when and where he wanted to. Rebecca and I were uh, leaders of a life group at one point, and uh, we were going through a family issue. Did anybody know that pastors have family issues? <laughs> okay, I'm just up here to be real. We were going through some stuff, and it was very difficult. And so we called our life group. The life group met at, at our home uh, for those of you who are first-time guests with Life Groups, are small group ministries where we meet weekly or bi-weekly and get together. Um, and so we called up and... I get again. We called up and tried to dismiss the meeting because we were in such distress. And they wouldn't allow it. They, they brought food. They brought prayer. Uh, 
They ministered to us. They, it was, uh, nobody said, here's the rule of doing this, but it was, the, it was the life of Jesus. It was the love of Jesus poured into our hearts. And they didn't go, well, you're the pastor. You shouldn't need this. There was such a, just an outpouring of love that uh, it was just, it was, again, life-changing to me. Another thing that's important uh, is that mercy and love must be a foundation, foundational response to people. Uh, in Luke chapter 10, verses 25 through 37, there's the story of the Sermon on the Mount, excuse me, of the Good Samaritan. There's lots of stories. Anyway, the Good, Good Samaritan, and I won't go through all of that, but there are a couple verses. He, he goes through this whole story of the Samaritan reaching out and caring for the uh, Jewish man that was by the road. And finally, he ends the story and he says to the man who had asked the question, which was his neighbor? And the man answered, the one who showed mercy. And then Jesus said, do the same. Do the same. To understand who our neighbor is, is, a, uh, is an eye-opener. And to see a neighbor as Jesus saw who a neighbor was. And how to, how to reach out. To, call, to say that everybody is my neighbor and not reach out to anybody. That wasn't the, what Jesus was pointing to. So it was, it was in mercy and love that Jesus asked us to respond to the world. When I, uh, when I was a pastor and made invitation to people, I don't, know, I don't know exactly how it works that God has brought us together like this. I don't, because I never thought I communicated a certain type of people. But my church was full of young white families with young kids. It was very identifiable with who I was. And that's why it never felt comfortable. So to, to reach out to a neighbor beyond, get that message of love and reception, that again has to be a work of the Holy Spirit. It has to be a miraculous work, and it has to be foundationed in love. In uh, John chapter 13, verses 34 and 35, Jesus said, So now I am giving you a new commandment. Love each other just as I have loved you. You should love each other. Your love for one another will prove to the world that you are my disciples. Uh, when love becomes the defining f factor, it changes. It changes how we look and how we talk. We, uh, we used to have a, a church near it. It was in, in L.A. and we were attending a church kind of downtown. I guess that was L.A. area. And there was a, another small church down. This is the truth. It had a list on their door of things you had to do to be allowed in. And uh, 
No church I was ever a part of was that direct. <laughs> but I always wondered if there weren't letters hung up somewhere, somehow. And what takes those letters down is our love and our mercy when we reach out beyond our comfort. Another point that is uh, so important to me here at NBCC, and again, it may seem obvious to you, but these were important things to me. Uh, people are more important than buildings. Um, in Matthew chapter 16, verse 18, Jesus said that he would build his church. And there, what he said was, I'll build my assembly or my gathering of people. Um, translators over time started using the word church and then uh, church became the building. And the problem with that is that we started honoring buildings more than we honored people. We started seeing buildings as holier and more sanctified than the saints that are the sanctified of God. We started treating buildings with more respect than we treated people. That is not keeping your eyes on Jesus. I was, it was interesting. I was uh, in Costa Mesa, California, uh, early in the Jesus movement, and there was a church that was uh, exploding. It was called Calvary Chapel. Have you ever heard of Calvary Chapel? Chuck Smith was the uh, pastor there. And it, when I went there, it actually, it had, it was a small chapel, really, really much, you know, a little small chapel, and it had, God had just exploded it in growth, and so they had a tent, they had bought a piece of property, and they had a great big tent, and uh, it, they were just filling this tent up, and it was just growing and growing, and so they were building a new building, uh, Calvary Chapel uh, Stadium. <laughs> it's, not, it's no longer a little chapel. It's huge if you've ever been there. And uh, it was, uh, I read uh, uh, some of Chuck Smith's writings, and uh, when they were building that church, the uh, board said the kids will have to start wearing shoes because of the oil in their feet and dirt. They're going to ruin the carpet. And Chuck Smith said, don't put in a carpet then. People are more important than buildings. People are more important than buildings. Fourth thing I, I think is important, and again, it's part of our culture here, is reach out to all people. In John 3.16, of course, it says, for God so loved the whole world that he gave his only begotten son, and sometimes we kind of stop there. But it is important that we have an attitude of reaching out to all. In Mark sixteen fifteen, Jesus told them, go into all the world and preach the good news to everyone. Or as the NIV says, to all creation. To get this message out of keeping your eyes on Jesus, doing it the way Jesus said it, and did it 
is so incredible. I don't know if everyone, if you think of it, you may come in here and just take it for granted. I am so excited about us growing into San Jose. I really am. And the reason I am, yeah, the reason I'm so excited about us growing into San Jose is because it's going to put us among a different people and they're going to have different requirements, different needs. And we're going to see if this just works. Does this just work in the Redwood City? Does it just work in a suburb? Can what Jesus wants to do work downtown San Jose? I, I get chills. I mean, that, that's so exciting to me. It's going to pull us into areas we've never been. You're going to be sitting, if you're there, you're going to be sitting next to people you never thought you would sit next to in church. It's exciting to me. One of the most exciting things I, I, I feel in coming here is when I look out, you don't know who is a CEO or who's homeless. I don't know who's got a doctor's degree or a GED. I don't know any... You know, we're all sitting next to each other. And I don't know where you're in your, your walk of faith. When we used to get together with our life group, it was so amazing. We would take the sermon and uh, Pastor Herman taught or Pastor Tilden taught, and we would, we would go through the sermon. And each of us had a next step. Some of those in there were not believers yet. Some of them were new believers. Then there were some people like Rebecca and I that had been decades and decades, but each of us had our next step that we needed to take. When we get faced with these differences, how are we going to respond? The uh, cultural differences, race, education, financial status, lifestyles. Here's what I know. When Jesus accepted me, I was not of his culture, I was not of his race. I was not of his financial status. Now, when he, was, when he was on earth, he was very poor. And I don't think I've ever been really poor. Uh, when he ascended to the Father, he became fairly wealthy. I've never, <laughs> I've never been that wealthy. I had different beliefs than Jesus, even though I was raised in church. And I had a, definitely had a different lifestyle. But what did Jesus do? Did he say, well, if you'll change your race, if you'll change this? He loved me. He came to me. He accepted me with all those differences. And these were not minor. The scripture tells us that when I was at enmity, I was against him, an enemy of God. He loved me. He came to me. That's what he did. Now, what are you going to do when you sit next to somebody that's different than you? How are you going to act? Are you going to act like your culture? Or are you going to act with your eyes on Jesus? I don't know where you're at in your faith journey. For me, I'm, st I'm still growing. I'm, I'm still growing. Uh, a few years ago, my... My mother passed away. Uh, she was 86, 
and at that point my dad was 86. And my um, sister said to him, why would God that do that? You know, you've, you and mom have faithfully served uh, the Lord together. Why would, he, why would he do that? And my dad said, I still have some things to learn. And that's the way I feel. It's like it's 70 years old. I don't, go, I don't think, oh man, I've got this down. I feel like I am just starting out in faith, trying to figure out. And the Spirit is still walking with me, challenging me. Uh, sometimes when Pastor Herman speaks, you know, it's like, these are scriptures I literally have taught year after year. And I'll, he'll, he'll share something that God just, shakes my heart up and I go oh I still have to grow I still have to be I still have to listen to God in the spirit so I don't know where you're at I don't know if you're uh, uh, haven't come to faith yet if you're new in your faith I don't know if you've been serving God for uh, years decades but you have a next step you have to get your eyes on Jesus you have to see the church as God wants to see the church. Not as you want to see it, as Jesus wants to see the church. You have to see individuals, not what makes you comfortable, but as Jesus sees people. Keep your eyes, keep your hearts on Jesus. He'll straighten your path. He will make a way where there is no way. Amen.